0: Millennium 2.2 is an easy access space sim. It's Amigos, episode
1: 322.
0: Hi everybody, welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Millennium 2.2. Ooh, yeah. Aaron, do you remember what you did at the turn of the Millennium?
2: I do. I do remember what I did. It was so lame. I remember, you know, when you're when it's nineteen eighty nine or ninety and the millennium's coming, but still ten years away. You got plenty of time. And I remember talking to my friends, we we're gonna go out and sit on this island and sit in front of a lighthouse or go up on a mountain mm-hmm. and we we're gonna all of our close friends are gonna get together mm-hmm. and it was gonna be this big thing, right? And ultimately, I believe I was up Gosh, 2000. I was in. I think I was. I was still in Lexington, and I think I had a party that was no good. And I don't remember anything that happened. I don't. I don't. I don't mean that in a good way. I mean it was completely nondescript, mm-hmm. and nothing happened. And and on top of that, with the year 2K thing was going on, I had made certain predictions oh. that did not come true. So I was Well, also, you can't
0: leave us hanging, man. What were these predictions?
2: Well, you know, a lot of people were going bananas about the Y2K bug. Right, and right. there I, I know when no one believes this, but I swear to you, there was something to it to a certain degree. Sure, yeah. It could have been a problem, okay? Mm-hmm. Did I think uh, the world would explode? No, but I thought there was a distinct possibility that things like the internet could have be affected or, uh, uh, you know, network issues yeah. and whatnot. And have because having been in that field, I used to see stuff all the time that didn't work, was it Y2K compatible. so I certainly, I made certain predictions that I thought there would be difficulties and issues, that, and none of that came to pass, so there you go. So I, I was the, the tinfoil hat guy that night. Well,
0: what you tell people is that, oh, it's a good thing I saved the internet, and you they make it, you just, bird. you spin it back to yourself and say, listen, I took care of some things and we're, everything's cool.
2: Well, they didn't realize that at 20 years later, instead of one massive destruction of the internet, I'm slowly ruining it a little <laughs> at a time, but
0: One hour at a time.
2: What about you? What were you doing that uh, fateful eve?
0: So I always thought that the, if the world was going to end in the year, two, you know, January uh, 1st, 2000, at least I would A, be an adult. I'd be 18 because I turned 18 in July of 1999. Yeah. And B... Get at least one semester of college in, yeah. And so I did. I did both of those things, and uh, I on the the January thirty first, I went over to my friend uh, Josh's house, and uh, a bunch of other band kids were there, and we got extremely, extremely inebriated. And, there you go. Uh, well,
2: that's that's pretty good though. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty good. I, got. I, I mean, still I remember what I, that.
0: I, I was wearing one of these suns out guns out tanks. You ever wear the tank top around at parties?
2: Not a big tank tank top guy. Really? Yeah. When I, huh. when I did that 10K and I'd lost all that weight, I would every mm-hmm. once in a while I would I would, I would sport the tank because I was and working this out stuff, but not, not this so was much. at
0: the heyday when I looked most like the lead singer from Beer Naked Ladies. And Isn't so, he a uh,
2: world class geek?
0: Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, look at who you're talking to. And uh, and yeah, it was uh that
2: was that was the year
0: the year 2000.
2: Yeah. 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 You know, were you let down that there wasn't, a, did you think there might be a calamitous out, like outcome?
0: Uh, no. No. Because, I mean, think about it, you just, all you have to do is look back over the course of the ages of how many times the world has been predicted to end. And we're still, we're still hanging out, man. We're still doing our thing.
2: We're like cockroaches. The giant yeah. kind, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was happy it didn't explode or anything, but I don't know. Part of me Part of me yearned for a Mad Max world mode. I think I would thrive in that environment.
0: I have no doubt you would thrive. You've already got the outfits picked up. Yeah,
2: out in the desert. Mm -hmm. I could get one of those glue one mohawks. You know, I got weapons over here, too. And Mm -hmm. most of my cars look like they've been from a Mad Max (laughs) world. So it would have worked that good.
0: That's very true. You could have worked that cigarette lighter as heater angle for a long time.
2: (laughs) I would have been the king of heaters. I'd be the only (laughs) guy that had one. That would be awesome. (laughs)
0: Well, Aaron, why don't we uh, see what's been going on in the world of Amiga News this week? Amiga
1: News.
0: All right, Aaron. So the first thing we've got here is, you know, Huselbeck, this guy is the man when it comes to repackaging and reselling his glory years of compositions. Uh, Turrican has been remixed, remastered, and re-put out on nearly every available media format in every conceivable combination of instruments. And he's doing it again, Aaron. This is actually not um, Chris Huselbeck's work. This comes to us from another guy. He has taken the, um, the themes from Turrican. And this is a guy, his name is Kordian Wychek. Okay. Mm. And he has rearranged the themes from Turrican into an album he calls Dueling Pianos, because this is uh, two pianos uh, playing the themes from Turrican. So uh, if that huh. interests you, you can check this out on Chris Huselbeck's Bandcamp page, Chris And uh, you can purchase, you can listen to this album now, uh, or you can purchase it for the low, low price of $9 US, Aaron.
2: Did you see this here? By the digital discography, right? Which mm-hmm. is like a ton of stuff. 48 Two, releases
0: Husselbeck has done.
2: 200 wigwams, Boat, the big money. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of WAD, isn't it? I mean, I mean, I know there's some big tunes there, but I mean, 200 bucks, what's, there must it's, be an angle It's, it's for
0: people who want it all, you know? And, and a lot of these, too, I think, you know, you're talking about 48 albums at 10 bucks an album. I mean, you're getting a deal.
2: Is that if what you, we're talking about? That, that's $480 that's,
0: if you pay 10 four, bucks these an are album. All
2: albums. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's yeah, I guess that's good. I don't know. Yeah. That's amazing. That's a lot of albums of music.
0: It is. It is. And it looks like Huselbeck has uh composed a lot of royalty-free stuff. So this could be your chance if you're looking for some uh some Husselbeck inspired tunes for your podcast or your video series or whatever. Mm. Uh you can check that out too. So
2: mm. Yeah. I had to look into that myself. You know, I'm I'm a big royalty free guy, so You're your all big my free albums guy. are royalty free. Yeah. <laughs> Take off, eh?
0: All right, Aaron. Coming up next on the news train, we've got another arcade port that's coming to the Amiga. This time it's Ms. Pac-Man. Oh yeah. So uh it wasn't that long ago that J O T D released uh Pac-Man uh now he's gone and done it again he's moved on to the sequel which is by all accounts uh is have you ever met anybody that's preferred the original pac-man to miss pac-man
2: oh lord no no no
0: no, no.
2: It, uh, i love you know we owned a miss pac-man mm-hmm. back back in the day by say we i mean me brent wasn't involved but i did own one of these what a deal i got both by the way on this on this back I got a Donkey Kong and a Miss Pac-Man and something else. I got it for, oh, Road Blasters. Got them dirt cheap, brother. They were That's giving away. Uh, but then I had to sell everything because I got fired while I got laid <laughs> off. But, uh, yeah, Miss Pac-Man, great game, great-looking cabinet. Me and Brent were talking about when we did female protagonists. This is one of the early lady protagonists in all video games, the Mrs. Pac. The story behind this game is always entertaining. I think it was a General Electronics that were basically making a bootleg board for Pac-Man and when they got mm-hmm. together with the people there and said, let's make a deal. Good move, by the way, because this was a yeah. big money maker. And also, you said, this is one of those games. There are a few games from, like the early 80s and you they linger, right? And in fact, I would say there are two that come to mind. And this is one, and the other one is, of course, Galaga. You yeah. see, those are ones you'll occasionally still see out there. They're,
0: they're so playing. popular that Namco actually released a two-in-one cabinet just a few years ago called the Class of 1981 uh, that features both these games in the same cabinet. So, yeah, the both problem. of these games... Stone Cold classics.
2: The problem with that is it's got a it's got a pay to continue feature which Yeah, that's weird.
0: no good. I no hate that. No good.
2: Yeah, that's no yeah. good. I think you can turn it off though. But yeah, this looks great by the way. Yeah,
0: they've uh, they've they've done the right thing and made the the screen the right aspect ratio and yeah. like some, you know, Pac-Man transcodes I could name. That's, uh, that's the way everything do is with. on the screen at one time. It's a real port, Aaron. This isn't somebody messing around.
2: Look, even the little peach is bebopping around, Boat. Yeah, I like, yeah. good, I like good it. Good job. Good job. Yeah, I can't wait to see that. That'll be great.
0: Now, check this out, Aaron. This All is right. not something that I expected to see over at Indie Retro News this week. All right. You don't see too many Wheel of Fortune games appearing on the Amiga this week. Or uh, ever.
2: Well, or this <laughs> week. Yeah. It's only the third one.
0: Now, this is a game called Yawafa. And this is a word puzzle game that plays like Wheel of Fortune. You spin the wheel, you get points, you solve the puzzle. Uh, did you play Wheel of Fortune on any any of your game systems oh, back in the day?
2: Oh god, I played the... Keep in mind, I was in uh, uh, ninth grade. <laughs> we had the old IBM CGA specials up in the old computer lab at the high school. And this game and Jeopardy were two games that were always around. And we played the crap out of these games. I've played a million games of this. i played a million games. And on the old version, much like Jeopardy, spelling counts. Yeah. So when you tried to solve the puzzle, (laughs) you could look like... It was a little bit easier on this, but not always. And you look like Mm. a big doofus. (laughs) But, man, I played the crap out of this. I can still remember digitized blocky Vanna White scrolling... Mm -hmm. <laughs> along that green background to turn those letters, you know, in the mm-hmm. thing. But yeah, we played. I the played a ton of, of
0: Wheel of Fortune on the old CGA PC and Jeopardy, uh, but I also had a clone on the um, on the Atari computer. I think it came with an, an issue in an Antic magazine called Words Are Fun. <laughs> so that was that was a lot of fun. An to intriguing play. title, and yeah. also
2: wrong. Yeah, words aren't fun. <laughs> Spelling words isn't fun anyway. This looks. Well, I mean, this looks like Wheel of Fortune. I yeah. don't have a problem with it. I'm dead. Yeah.
0: We may have to fire this up on the next Amiga Thon. That, that could be that could be the segment.
2: next that could be the game of the week someday in the future. <laughs> uh, hey, I would play some Wheel of Fortune all day long. I wouldn't me have a too. with
0: it. Me too, man. All right, Aaron. Our next story is all about the Amiga One X five thousand. You know, we don't talk a lot about the next gen Amigas. We're because we don't of them. really know yeah. a lot about they the next gen Amigas. Me. However, there's this guy called TJ Ferreria, okay? Yeah. And uh, he is is an expert in the X5000. He's got one sitting there right behind him. And in this video, he's changed his mind. Now, I'm not going to give away the plot and tell you what he says, but I'm just going to say, listen, if you are wondering about the current state of the NG Amiga project, and you'd like to see this guy's thoughts on it. Look at this guy. He looks like he knows what he's talking about. Because first of all, he's got a nice full beard and he's sitting in one of those wacky gamer chairs with the headrest.
2: He looks so, like if he looks like if Einstein and Uncle Jesse from the Dukes of Hazzard had a son, it'd be this guy. <laughs> he looks he looks so, wise. I, I This I, is I, You're not gonna give is, me any hint as to what he's talking about here.
0: No, no, no I'm not I'm, I'm not gonna no give it away. Five, okay. But I will say that uh, this guy has some really interesting videos, including uh, ones about the Intellivision Amico. So this this guy undoubtedly has some opinions about things. So if you want to check it out, head over to TJ Ferreria's uh, site. And, of course, we have updated the link here on the news page. Bit.ly slash Amiga News will take you exactly where you need to go. I apologize for the past couple of weeks where we've had a link that did not, in fact, work. And thank you to Pixels at Dawn for pointing that out to me. Uh, so now, Bit.ly slash Amiga News takes you where you need to go.
2: You know, TJ Ferrari here, I'm looking over, I'm just looking at the stats here, and there's always, he's got 78 thumbs up, and there's always that one geek that mm-hmm. rolls around. That he's, a, he's, the, he's like the universal hater. He's going to hate everything. Yeah. And I don't, I, so having not known what this guy says, he must not have been too controversial, because we know in the in this community, you could easily get more than one perennial hater to come around so he must have been, his opinion must be very popular otherwise True. he would have get he'd get murdered so that sounds good thank you but well done both
0: all right and finally aaron this is a new video from our buddy chris edwards and more of his adventures with the terrible fire card so tell us about this aaron
2: well this was this was another one that were, we're chris goes to work <laughs> and first of all he goes this was interesting to me this part here where he fixes the keyboard on his fi- on his five or uh, his 12 it was the 500 i didn't realize that you could just go get a new gimmick to put a notes. new membrane you know right now you did that for the atari didn't you? yeah
0: yeah i did that with the atari but you're right i had not heard of people making those for did other you, computers maybe yours- that's a thing
2: you can get did yours look like this? Is one of the reasons I want to talk about this. Did yours look like that with the kind of the, just the kind yeah. of stiff plastic? It, How it, like it floppy looked, was it? Was it? It know was know very saying? floppy. It was very oh, floppy, and, and uh, I
0: totally uh, did not succeed in installing it correctly. Yeah, uh, and so oh, I ended happened? up. Uh, well, I, I I have no skill with electronics repair. That's what happened. Um, and so uh, yeah, I ended up shipping it. the computer and the membrane to a guy in California. Sight unseen from Atari age. He's just like, yeah, I do those. And I was like, all right, here's my computer from when I was a kid. and uh, But yeah, uh, true to form. He fixed it for me, sent it back, and I haven't had a problem with it since.
2: Yeah, and then the rest of the video is Chris trying to correctly configure uh, the... Uh, drive port on the terrible fire to do what he wants. well uh it's hard this stuff's all hard when you say that
0: the drive port well i don't yeah, understand it's got what that like means a, it's
2: got a it's got a hard drive port on the on the actual terrible fire card. you can oh use, okay right now, among other things and it was uh it's hard you know and he he uh when he tried every angle uh he's a patient dude And uh, it was uh, it was difficult. And that's that's the show. So but I mean, I kind (laughs) of I'm a sick man. So because I've struggled so long with so many hard things that it that I don't mind seeing someone else struggle to see if they can figure it out or what the ultimate goal was. I don't want to spoil the surprise, but it was entertaining uh, and wacky. So if you're into that sort of thing, if you now does this
0: does this inspire you at all, Aaron, to get your own terrible fire card? This for your ins- 1200? inspires
2: me to sell all my Amigas and <laughs> and and and, just, and then buy seven more Misters. That's what this inspires me to do. This is <laughs> this makes me nervous. That's why it's, I can get my fix of this sort of thing without actually being the guy suffering through it. Mm-hmm. Because you've seen some of my sketchy take videos when I'm trying to do stuff on the on, the, on the Amiga or the Cocoa, remember that Cocoa keyboard project? That oh, I had yeah, the, the, the Atomic Pie And all that stuff. You know, and, and less, the less said about the unAmiga, the better. But, like, <laughs> I mean, I can fill 20 videos with these things, and it just drives me nuts. And so I, uh, uh, I would rather just relax with a cold one and just watch someone else do it, especially Chris, yeah. Uh, yeah. my kind of wacky tech. So another wacky Chris video, give it a shot. There you go, Boaster.
0: All right, Aaron. Uh, before we leave our news segment, we should probably check out what's been going on over at Retro Rewind site this week.
2: Bam, Retro Rewind. Well, Frank's been at it again. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna hop over there real quick. The okay, uh, Frank has has just he's we mentioned this last week briefly. He's in the process of putting together a uh, uh, a bench power supply uh for uh all the commodore machines the c64 the amiga uh those machines he's also he just put up something on twitter uh which i haven't got to even look at it yet but he sent it out i saw it come off of his of his web page he's always got some kind of thing but i think it's a custom rom if i'm not Mm. mistaken did you see that pop up on twitter
0: no i haven't i haven't seen
2: that so but i mean listen if you need if you need some sweet action on your Commodore-related computer. There's and you're in North America in particular. There's only one place to go, and that's our boy, Frank, at retrorewind.ca. Not only does he have parts, replacement parts, ROMs, the OSs, the whole nine yards. He also sells cap kits and he will do your recap himself. Uh you can send it up there and some and the fine folks at Retro Rewind will recap your C64, your 128 your Amiga family of computers, even the CD32 boat can get a recapping at r- ridiculous, ludicrous prices, low, double low prices, uh, and quick, too. It's a, it's a good, safe bet if you send your reworks up to Frank. Listen, we just talked about Chris Edwards. He was struggling. This stuff's hard. If you mm-hmm. want to get in here and risk having a bad day, I can tell you this firsthand. Go in there and think to yourself, you know, I'm going to recap some crap today. I recapped an arcade <laughs> monitor, my Donkey Kong. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, this won't be hard. I'm a I'm a pro, brother. I can't possibly screw up. And it never worked. And I, finally, my I, my dad was looking at my monitor. He goes, what's wrong with this? It's like, I screwed it up. He goes, you need solder right here. I was like, that ain't it. He took the solder and went ting, and it came to life. It looked great. But that's all it takes. One screw up and you're done. You know, mm-hmm. Frank's not going to screw up. He's a pro. He's got yeah. professional machines up there to take care of business. He's the man to call, Boat.
0: Yeah, and for whatever you want to buy from Frank, you can save 10% off your order by using the promo code AMIGOS10 at checkout. We appreciate and we love Retro Rewind, and we thank them for being a supporter of Amigos. Mm-hmm. All right, Aaron, it's time to talk Millennium. 2.2 has there oh, ever been a worse name for a game than millennium 2.2
2: yes uh there has actually that the that, uh zx spectrum game about the worm comes oh, to my fat
0: boy blues a sparky
2: <laughs> that's the one <laughs> see i didn't have to even say the name and you knew what it was let's talk about this thing boat millennium 2.2 2, just like rush boat um released in 89. Now, I'm not going to ask if you've played this because I know there's a 0% chance you played this.
0: There's a less than 0% chance I would have played this.
2: I want to stop right here. If you're watching at home here, we're on the Millennium 2.2 intro screen. It says Millennium 2.2 and there's a triangle and it has a uh, couple letters under it. Now look at that. Ed. What's that look like to you boat?
0: Ed. Like Mr. No, Ed.
2: Right. And why is that? Because this was made, this was pre- uh, uh, this thing was published by Electric Dreams. Mm-hmm. Now I looked at this I looked at this when it came up, and I was like, wait a minute. That looks just like the Captain EO logo. Hmm. Okay? I didn't so make I, that connection. Oh, I did, because I saw Captain EO in the theater boat back at Disney World. It was out when I was there with the band. Mm-hmm. And so this is a sidebar, but I'm going to say it anyway. So we go up, so I'm looking this up, and I'm like, you know, maybe I'm nuts. I'm going to Google, I'm going to wiki, get the Captain EO wiki. And at the very bottom of the wiki, it says... The Captain EO logo looks very similar to the Electric Dreams logo. I was like, yes, <laughs> so I'm not the only one that affirmation, not baby. But there it is. <laughs> that's, so. If you if you ever looked at that, and wonder what was going on. That's what's going on. <laughs> that's exactly what's happening. They just and the thing is, they Electric Dreams had it first, clearly. So because I don't know when Captain EO came up, but I think well, it listen, was later than this.
0: Nobody's gonna the Electric Dreams folks didn't have the jack to sue MJ, so he probably was playing this game. You know, it he was have, a big gamer. It and would have, had was to have like, been
2: close. Because I yeah. was in the band in 89, and this came out in 89. Mm-hmm. So it's, I, who knows who ripped off who? You know That's I, true. I, that's a stupid thing to say. I'm sure this ripped off Captain. <laughs> Let's face facts, Bo. So anyway, this came out in 89. Uh, I, we mentioned published by Electric Dreams, but Cool name. We always liked mm-hmm. that one. Uh, developed by the lamest sounding... <laughs> The lamest development company of all time, Software Studios. That's the- no
0: good. <laughs> yeah, no good.
2: They didn't do they now. You no, know, so hear me out on this because this is sort of incorrect. All right, <clears throat> I looked into these Software Studios guys. Okay, Software Studios were Activision's UK in-house development slash support team. This comes off the Moby mm-hmm. webpage. Okay. Uh, They were established in an old Electric Electric Dreams office in Southampton, UK, Mm -hmm. right, in the 80s, and they did technical and creative development for Activision, okay? Now, they were responsible for some, some titles we've looked at, actually. One title that, if you'll recall, was one of the finest titles we ever played on the Amiga, Altered Beast. Oh yeah, it, that was <laughs> the source of my never-ending humiliation, boot, Um They did Atomic Robo Kid, Galaxy Force One and Two, IK Plus, Power Drift, SDI. None of these have anything to do with this game, and the reason no. is this game was really done by like one person with some help from two others. Okay, uh, the artist or the coder and uh, general designer of this game is a fellow named Ian Bell, or excuse me, Bird. Bird. I was
0: going to say, Ian Bell, isn't that the guy that did Elite?
2: <laughs> yeah, no, no, I don't know, maybe. This is I Ian it is. Bird. It was
0: David Bell or something like that. Anyway. Now,
2: this is one of only two games of the Amiga. The other game is the sequel to this, which we'll talk about later on. The graphics for this were made by Jay Redman. Jay is spelled cool guy style, J-A-I. So I think that's it's still J, right? J-A-I? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the music, now you may have heard of this guy, Boatster. He's a man I like to call the Whitster, David Whitaker. He's done it all. Just to go over a couple of his uh, contributions, Bubble Bobble, uh, First Person Pinball, which was probably the height of his career, Uh, Golden (laughs) Axe, Fright Night, got a... you gotta get that in there. He, you talk about up and down uh, on the, on the games. He Well, let's Bright say I mean I,
0: I, David Whitaker did not compose the Bubble Bobble theme. He, uh, no. he rearranged it for me. I'm Omega. just
2: saying he this guy he he they had him work on every conceivable. Well, listen, game.
0: he probably worked a couple hours a day. He knocked out some tunes, and then people would just line up and be like, "Hey, can I have a song?" And he'd be like, "Here you go."
2: It's like, listen. We're desperate for a, a hot theme for first-person pinball day. Right. He's like, bam, I got it. I got gotcha. you. Uh, he also uh, worked on Star Wars music and the music to Xenon 2, Mega Blast. Um, although, when you think of Xenon 2, Mega Blast, you think of that cool song, Bomb the Bass song. Mm-hmm. Um, this was an OCS offering boat, so it's right up your alley. There was not an AGA. had not even been uh, pondered at this point. Now, it's funny. All the Amiga sites say this came out for the Amiga and the ST. But it also came out for DOS. I don't know why they don't right. mention that. In fact, aside from the fact that I saw it listed in, like, Moby and a couple other places, it's also in the book. <laughs> it's on the manual. It says, here's mm-hmm. the DOS instructions. For loading Maybe it's just
0: DOS is implied.
2: DOS has another name. All right? Here's the name yeah. for the DOS. Because you didn't like 2.2, Bo. but This one's called Millennium Return to Earth. That's My a better God. name. Is that... <laughs> What was that?
0: Well, at first I said back to Earth, but that was no, no.
2: Return to Earth. Earth. Back's not cool enough sound. Okay,
0: what are you going? Okay, you're the marketing director. Which do you choose? Millennium Two Point Two. Yeah, yeah. Because that actually explains what you're doing in the game.
2: Well, also, I thought Millennium Two Point Two was like a version upgrade from Millennium One, right? And it's not.
0: So horrible
2: name. Well, the game takes place in two thousand two hundred. I guess that's where they get it. But yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Um so let's get into this game boat proper, okay? So the game and I'm going to summarize the epic epic uh flavor text in the book, okay? So you here you are on Earth. It's t- it's t- the year 2180 or whatever, okay? And we have sent colonies in the space, two colonies. We have got one on the moon cuz of course the mm-hmm. moon Someone's got to mind that cheese. And then you yeah. also sent some suckers. I feel sorry for these suckers. They went to Mars. Okay? So, who'd have thunk it? Asteroid come. whacks the Earth kills everybody. Blow uh, The Earth is still there. It's sort of like a Thundar-type gimmick, mm-hmm. you know? Runaway right. planet, hurtling between the Earth and Moon. So that was
0: 97, to... right? Thundar?
2: No, it was way before that. No, no, no I mean the, in oh, the year you, 1997, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. Man, a, mm-hmm. Good memory, Boat. Thank you. So anyway... Uh, this time a runaway asteroid hurtled into the earth and killed everybody on it. And so the only people left are the people on Mars and the people on the moon. And you play one of the moon guys, all right? And you're running the moon base. Now, you don't get too far into the game before you hear for the people on Mars. And of course, the people on Mars are jerks. They're like, "Yeah, we like we're take we claim the earth." And so we're going to Kill you if you try to send probes out or do anything. We're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna consider an act of war. Mm-hmm. The book leads you to believe that the people on Mars, aside from the fact that they're mean, oh by the way, they're kind of mutated. It'll right. happen on the red planet, boat. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so, what's to do? Well, it's your job as the king dong of the moon to get your production and whatnot up to snuff to where you can send out people to colonize. Uh, to extend Earth's reach all over the place. Plus, you're trying to get enough jack together to hopefully take your people back down and reclaim the Earth to some capacity because word on the street from your probes and stuff is that Earth, all the destruction and stuff is slowly subsiding. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully you can get your people back there. But you you can't just throw some guys a rocket and launch off. You don't got a rocket. You don't got guys. You don't got nothing. You got like 100 people. And the game is about getting together uh, all the uh production and, and research and whatnot you need to make these goals obtainable. Uh did that sound about right to you, Bode?
0: That sounds good, man. Now, before we go any further, I did watch Kim Justice did a piece on this, and she said that this game was very the the plot of this game was very similar to a TV show called Space 1999. I've never seen that show. Have you watched any Space 1999?
2: I have. I have I didn't like it. Mm. <laughs> I know Martin Landau was in it. Uh, and I like him. Is it's he related to show. John
0: Landau Murphy?
2: You know who Martin Landau is? Come on. No. You ever seen Ed Wood? Yep. Okay, he played Bela Lugosi in that. Okay. But he's, been, he's been around forever. He's been in everything. Um, So, as I recall, <clears throat> now I haven't seen Space 1999 for a while, but I believe the Earth was like, it seems like there was a nuclear incident on the on the Earth okay. that caused them to leave. In that, so it's a
0: different sort of life ending thing. But it was yeah. the Earth has been destroyed in that show. Yeah, too. and
2: I believe, of course, it happened in nineteen ninety nine. Uh, so it's funny how all these TV shows p- predicted we'd be screwed well before now. We showed them. <laughs> we we have not yet. We waited an extra twenty years planet. to get screwed. Yeah but honestly i don't there's i don't remember enough about that joke to make any sort of, i mean i guess the text sort of looks the same the moon base sort of looks like that okay uh, but i don't i don't know um what did you think about this just coming up you know you read the flavor text you saw the manual what's your what were your first thoughts on this thing booster
0: well whenever we get a game like this especially because it was it was chosen by old level lord okay and level lord is a fan of the strategy game he's a, a amigos game selection committee member level lord and I know that whatever he picks, we're always in for a treat. And by a treat, I mean, it's time to break out the manual. That's what yeah. I mean. Yeah. So.
2: Which, yes, exactly. Which exactly, that's exactly what I did too. Uh,
0: so um, I was pleasantly surprised to see that the manual was only, you know, six pages long. And uh, and <laughs> the majority of that was the story of what happened before the, the, you know, what what put us into this this situation.
2: Let me, let me, so, let me just um, interrupt you for a split second here. I printed the manual outside unseen. I didn't even look at this sucker. I was like, I know I'm in for it because I know they're going to. I was scared. You know me mm-hmm. when it comes to these games. Oh, yeah. So I walked back to the printer and I'm like, oh, man, there's like 20, 25 pages here. Now look. I'm like, La Moon? What the heck is this? And there's, of course, it's, <laughs> the, it's a multilingual manual. Right. And you're right. There were six pages. I dropped to my knees. I was like, thank you. Thank you, sweet lord. Because mm-hmm. I was worried to death. And a lot of it, like you said, is flavor text. You're dead on.
0: Yeah. Now, when you first get into the game, uh, I was shocked, stunned and amazed because, Aaron, this is a game that has tooltips. This is a game when you hover over an icon on the screen, instead of making you cross-reference the manual that's printed in 16,000 languages, you see the word that the icon represents on the screen presented in English text in 1989. Yeah. Yeah. The, the fact that this guy only made one game is quite possibly the two. biggest tragedy, two games, is quite possibly the biggest tragedy in Amiga's history because he cracked the code. He cracked the code that says, listen, you don't need to have the manual ready at all times. You can put all the information you need on the screen so you can do something I like to call having fun playing the game.
2: Okay. <laughs> this
0: is great. The UI in this was fantastic. I went through every single one of the systems and I understood what it did. There's a zoom out, there's a zoom in. You zoom in on your moon base, you zoom in on your colony. Everything makes sense except for one thing. You're gonna spend 90% of your time on this game on the same screen and that is your moon base screen, okay? The moon base screen shows your moon base which looks like uh, it's got a central hub and it's got spokes, and it's got nodules that are sticking out of it. There's like six or seven nodules. Here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Underneath that, you've got buttons. And the buttons say defense, resources. Um, uh, help me out here. What else is on there? Uh, life research, support, production, research, uh, Right. defense. Okay. So I'm like, awesome. Here are some buttons for me to click on, just like all the other buttons in this game. Awesome. So you're clicking, nothing.
2: Yes.
0: You're clicking some more, nothing. You're like, well, maybe I need to click on one of these other buttons and then click on this again. Nothing. I spent 10 or 15 minutes and I read through the manual. I'm like, what is going on? Why can I not do anything on this game? And I was getting mad. I was getting real mad because up until this point, I was having a good time. (laughs) Well, (laughs) yeah. Here's the here for for whatever reason they put those buttons on the screen, but you cannot interact with them at all. They yeah. show you the status of whatever is going on. For example, like uh, you're if you know if everything's good, it's green. If you've got stuff that needs to be done, it's yellow. If stuff is bad, it's red. Those those colors change. The buttons change colors, but to actually interact with the different parts of the moon base, you have to click on the correct nodule. That is the only status
2: bars, is what I would call call the buttons, make you think you can click them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That Mm -hmm. is the only thing that's wrong with the UI with this game. Everything else is great. And to me, that is what makes or breaks a game like this. Is how much am I going to fight against the system that's trying to make me do what I'd like to do? So my first impression of this game amazing because i could understand the systems the icons made sense there were tool tips that prevented me from having to look at the manual it was fantastic
2: first of all yes everything you just said about those toolbars or those 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 uh uh buttons as you call it at the bottom of the screen that is the height of stupidity not having those be clickable Mm -hmm. because you're clicking around that Moon base and that stuff's not labeled. I mean, you're clicking so quick, you know it says it at the top, but you it doesn't say it when you're on. You know, it's you've got the button at the bottom. Why would right. you not let you use that? That doesn't make right. any sense. Now I don't know if there. I don't know what the. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. So you have to get used to using that moon base as a button very Yeah, button. and you do get how used to it. T-
0: once you're once you're in there, it's fine. But it's just it it was a missed opportunity for sure.
2: And how long did it take you to figure out there was a hanger on this thing? Right, right. in the middle. Yeah. Right. I was like, that was the last thing I found. There's a lot of that. Like when you go to the when you go to various like we right now we're looking at the place where you produce stuff. <clears throat> and so the, you on that there's you have to figure out where to click like you click on this sc- little TV screen
0: yeah but again crap. but again once you realize that you're meant to click on things on the screen and not just interact with buttons and icons then you can figure it out like because yeah. there's hot spots because when you hover over something you see that it, there's a there's text that appears on the screen again the fact that this came out in 1989 and there were games on the Amiga well into the 90s that still had not figured out mm. this basic element of game design boggles the mind
2: i used to play a game there were games on the pc they were public domain games that sort of reminded me of this my buddies loved them and i they would force me to play them it were just like this without pictures which mm-hmm. is so in this game you can play with no pictures right they could they so my my guess is they were like hey better have a, better have some pictures here otherwise this is just going to look like what it is as a long continuous series of, of menus which is the pictures are don't do anything. They're completely worthless. I mean, you can well, look at them, but I they mean, don't do you can, anything.
0: Here's the thing. Okay. So this is this is the gameplay loop. Okay. You need to get materials. Okay. You need to produce uh, energy. Once you're producing enough energy, you can build other things. Okay. Eventually you're gonna need to build defenses. Because you're going to be attacked and you're going to need to build probes to send your, uh, to, to explore the galaxy. And then eventually, once you find a habitable planet, you're going to need to send out a portable moon base and a transport ship to transport people out to your new colony. You do this until you win the game. Okay. So, where does the fun in this game come from? The fun in this game comes from, uh, the, pictures it really does I, I thought that the pictures in this game looked really evocative i felt like there was there's there's an atmosphere here there's no animation uh there's very little animation in the pictures um but uh the pictures do i think that they are good um whenever you send a probe out you get a dossier on the planet and uh, you can see Eventually. whether it's habitable or not. Oh yeah, and the, and I forgot there's also a, the whole research aspect. So I, I left out a whole step. Before you yeah. can produce anything, you have to research the technology. So if this is sounding like A ton of other games. It is. It's like a ton of other games. Uh, It's a lot like, you know, a real time strategy game just without the real time where, you know, you have to research technologies, then you can build the technologies. But first you need the resources. You're constantly having to manage your energy output, but it's a very simple system. Uh, basically you have your total output and how much you're drawing. And so you may have to disassemble your mining or you may have to take your mining offline uh to get to uh, to be able to produce enough energy to produce, you know, the next size battery or whatever or the next size power source. There are these things called solar gens, and you have there this game is not very creative when it comes to your your power sources because they're literally named one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Uh so you're constantly <laughs> yeah. you're constantly upgrading those. Uh, and you you basically you know you send probes out. The probe tells you if the planet is habitable or not. Uh, or you, you've got the whole map of the, the solar system, which includes all of the planets and all of the moons. I think they're all in there. Um, Plus,
2: uh, like, a few other things, like asteroids or anything.
0: Right, and there's an asteroid field, okay? So, other things that you do in this game. You have to get materials from other places, because the moon doesn't have every material that you need. So, what you have to do is you have to build a mining ship, and the mining ship is called, like, the Grazier or something like that, okay? this is another place where the game falls short because I would have liked to have seen a screen that explained what the ships were without having yeah. to consult yeah. the manual.
1: Yeah, That's
0: information worked. that they could have easily put on there uh, in a, in a dossier because you have, you have a log, you have a, a database and you, you know, in your planet, you, you could have easily had another screen in your database screen that just gave you a rundown of all the ships, basically all the things in the game that, that you can build. That would have been really useful. But anyway, you send your ship out, your mining ship out to the asteroid belt. And every once in a while, uh, you get, oh, and I forgot to mention the way that time progresses in the game. So you physically advance time in the game, which is interesting. Um, you, uh, you basically, you do all that you can do. And whenever you feel like you're done, it's almost like a board game. It's like civilization. Uh, when you're ready to advance time, you can either advance by the hour or you can advance by the day. Um, one of the design flaws in this game is that there are not enough uh, there's not enough times where advancing things by just an hour makes sense uh, when you go into orbit around a planet it takes you 45 minutes to land so that would be a, an opportunity for you to just advance the clock by an hour but by and large the action is so slow in this game that you're going to want to advance by the day pretty much all the time so, uh you basically you send your mining ship out to the asteroid field, you advance time, you're doing other things, and then every once in a while it'll say your asteroid or your ship is is scanned an asteroid. You can decide whether you want to put the contents of the asteroid in the hold and bring it back to uh, your moon base, or you can leave it and you can just not do anything, or you can wait for the next one. Now, there's a couple things that are, I think, that are bugs in this game. One is that once your ship picks up the contents of an asteroid, it can't scan any more asteroids. You can leave it out there as long as you want, but it never picks up another scan. Even if you have enough room in your cargo hold, it won't do that. I think that's a mistake. And number two, if you choose to not pick up asteroids three or four times, it'll just stop giving you the choice, uh, which I think is another bug in the programming. Uh, but that's still another cool thing that you can do that kind of gives you some player choice on like, it's a push your luck element because there's an element copper is pretty necessary in this game. And you're like, well, this, this one has 30, but I I've seen an asteroid before that had like 60 or 70. And you know, you're, you're trying to get back and build things because where does the threat in this game come from? Well, the threat comes from the Martians, like you explained before. So the Martians every so often. Will attack your base, and they do this in a very organized way. Uh, first, one ship will come and attack your base, and then two, and then three, all the way up to ten. So the longer you play, the harder the game gets. Now, to defend your base, you have two options: you can either build orbital lasers, which you do not have the materials for at the beginning of the game, and they are nowhere close to you, or you can build fighters. When you build fighters, you uh, when you are attacked, you scramble a fighter out. And you do battle one-on-one style, first-person elite-style combat yeah, with yeah. the enemy uh, fighter. What did you think about this combat system, Aaron?
2: No, it wasn't so good. Uh, I mean, no, it was, it not was, so good. It was, it was odd. It was odd that it was there. I'll be honest with you. I will say, <laughs> I had been stooged off that this had some kind of uh, somebody mentioned in one of their comments that this had some goofy combat in, and I was like, well, and so and the funny thing is that. <clears throat> I played this game, I played two different sessions of this game, okay? And this game is sort of, it's sort of linear in a weird, in a way, as much as the game as this can be at the beginning anyway. I didn't go, I don't know how far, and I was. I played both of them for a couple of hours. But I mean, stuff sort of happens in the same basic way. And so both times in both games at the beginning, I didn't have enough, I hadn't built any fighters because I couldn't. Because have energy, because you sort of have to build your, you sort of have to, at the beginning your resources are limited, and you sort of have to build stuff in a certain order, right? And so I never had any fighters for the first attack, and so you realize they come down, like they would kill X amount of your of your colonists, the people in your the people that live there, and then the next time I was like, okay, I'm gonna get these suckers, so I built up some fighters, and then you can launch your fighters and there's an attack, and it goes in this like a first person mode. And there's a the, there's an indicator. It's pretty strange indicator. of arrows and a ball, and they'll they'll be up down left and right arrows coming out of the ball, and telling you how far away you are from the ship and what direction to push your ship to where you can find yeah, the other. Ship. It's a
0: very it's a very rudimentary um, radar screen.
2: Yeah, and then you've got lasers, and so basically you just I mean it, it does look just like an elite or something. You Just basically find the enemy ship. At least the times right. I did it. Uh, and, and you shoot the ship. It's, I mean, yeah. it's, it's and, not and rocket You, 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 you only can can have one weapon.
0: Yeah. You only have one weapon. You've got auto fire, so you can basically hold the mouse down. I read somewhere that it takes 22 hits to bring down a ship. Uh, I was able to bring down the ships more often than not. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it wasn't too difficult. I never um, lost. When you, when you do lose, uh, you lose men, or you lose colonists. And if you lose all your colonists, you can no longer function and the game is over. Yeah. Um, and so that is sort of your impetus to act quickly in this game. Now, you mentioned the linearity of this game. This game is completely linear in terms of the events that happen. So, if you take a game oh, like okay. if you take a game like Mule, uh, in Mule, you've got things, and this is a strategy game for the Atari eight bit and other systems. Uh, there are random events that happen that are random. There's pirate attacks, and your mule goes crazy and runs away, and things like that. In this game, things always happen, no matter what. So, for example, whenever you build, I believe, the fourth generation power source, it it always blows up the next turn, and then you have to rebuild everything up from the beginning. Whenever you, send your, whenever you send your first probe to the asteroid past the asteroid field, uh, it always explodes in the asteroid field. And then they're like, oh, we need to pilot it better. Yeah. But it's worded in a weird way that almost makes you think you shouldn't send probes past the asteroid field, which it's going to be a real short game if you can't do that because that's where everything good is. Uh, every time you send a probe to either Mars or one of its moons, it disappears. It's yep. uh, understandably shot down, uh, but it never actually tells you that. They just keep disappearing no matter how many. So things always happen in the same order at the same time whenever certain things happen. But you are still free to you know colonize planets however you see fit. And so what what this leads to is a game that is beatable. Obviously, you play this game enough times, you always know what planets are habitable and which ones aren't, so you can save your money and save your time and your resources and go right to where you need to go every single time, so you can eventually beat this game fairly easily. Uh, The replay value on a game like this is nil. Once you yeah, beat the game slow. and you figure out the secret, you do get a percentage completion at the end. But I don't know that the end the, the ending itself isn't so spectacular that you're going to want to see it again. Did you um, actually
2: get to the end of uh, playing this? I didn't play that long. I that
0: didn't. Game. I didn't see the end. I just. I. I people were disappointed by the ending of this game.
2: Well, you know, um, you've, you've you've clearly you enjoyed this more than I did. Now I'm not I, gonna, did. I did. I enjoyed this I'm game. I'm not going to kill it, okay? Because a lot of what you said, I agree with. Once you get used to the the interface it's a good interface but I mean they, it could have been better but it's not but it, we've seen much much worse
1: mm-hmm. now you
2: know I'm not a I'm not a strategy gamer okay so I would say this is right in my wheelhouse in terms of what you have to manage uh, and without being making it crazy this is not the worst game to like begin your strategy career in you know something like this it's not that it's not super difficult it's something else about it it's not super stressful, and it's not it's like you're screwed. Like right. it's like one thing I learned early on is that don't be afraid to like advance the calendar as long as you want. I mean, it's very. I mean. <laughs> The Nothing enemy really. attacks
0: the enemy attacks are very very yeah. sporadic and I'm yeah. sure that once you colonize more planets it's programmed into the game that the enemy attacks will come more fast and furious yeah. but you're right like it will, here's the thing this game is accurate in turn. well it's it tries to be accurate in terms of distance and so like yeah. it's going to take you months and months and months or maybe even years to get to certain places in the solar system and so the game is set up for you to set a probe let it go off into space, and then you're going to be doing a bunch of other stuff while you're waiting for that probe to land wherever it's going. Um, The thing about it, but I like that. And to me, even though the game is only something that you can really beat once, the fact that there is an ending and the fact that you can depend on certain things happening, I like the fact that you can see the light at the tunnel, even though I didn't come anywhere close to beating it. I read a review from somebody that said it took five years of in-game time for him to beat it, and that was doing everything right. So you know how long it takes for you to advance the clock. I mean, it, it probably takes you you know, anywhere from 30 seconds to a minute just to advance one month You know, if you do nothing but hold down the button. Yeah. And so even when you've got the solution completely figured out, it's going to take you a long time to fully beat this game. Now, what would have been great, what I would have done to make this game better, aside from all of the UI things that we talked about earlier, is I would have just made two modes. I would have made a mode that had like story mode. And then I would have had just another mode where the, the planets were, you know, habitable or inhabitable random, you know, you just make a random seed and then you go from there. It's, it's sort of weird. And I really would like to talk to the coder to ask him why, that was that would that would be more difficult than making such a linear game in the first place because he must have known that once you figure out like once uh and I can't remember the name of the moon, but one of Jupiter's moons, I think is the first place where you can actually land and it's a habitable planet um why you couldn't just make it random every time you started the game, and that way you could play this game literally forever,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, uh, and something else you know the uh, the Martian colony as far as I could tell. Uh, I, I, they would attack occasionally. And I believe you could get to the point where you could go attack them. I never did. But, I mean, I don't think they were actually doing it. I never saw them, like, in deep space or anything yeah, like that. Yeah,
0: I don't like, think that they do anything but attack you. Yeah. And, that, that, and that the, the AI is, is definitely, yeah, it's definitely a, a weak point in the game as well. I
2: agree. I'll be honest with you. I'd got to a point in this game. I'd built all my uh, powers. Like you mentioned, not every mineral is available on, on the moon for Mm -hmm. example uranium comes to mind if you want to build the orbital laser okay right which is great for product protecting the moon obviously you get an orbital laser uh and it's something you could you can research all this stuff but you can't build it okay there's several things you can't build so what that means is you have to go off planet and to, to with probes to try to find these resources so you, are, you learn early on to just make a crap load of probes and just send mm-hmm. them everywhere. It's a, that's mm-hmm. something I did in both, you know, the second game, really. I really hammered it. But you get to the point where you're basically just waiting for probes to get places, and so you're just going forward. I mean, and there's nothing else you can do. You, I mean, you can keep building power stream and stuff. You can sort of prep for later, you know, mm-hmm. for when you colonize. And then you've got to, like, by the first game in particular, where I didn't know where everything was, like, I kept failing to get at anything with my probes. You know, like you said, you send a bunch to Mars, they disappear. And it's frustrating when you go send these things and then you wait forever. It seems like it takes forever to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's real time, but it's just, it takes forever. And then once you get there, the probe disappears or you land in a place that doesn't have anything. You're just like, oh, God, I got, here we go again. Let's send yeah. out another batch of these suckers. And so that got kind of old. The combat, like I said, it was infrequent and it wasn't, I would not call it. Heinous, but I'd call it pointless. You know, and, and really uh, across the board, not just because it's of the mode you play, it's because it just and it's not a huge deal. Maybe the attacks get worse, but they don't. And like you said, they don't attack all that often. And once I figured out in the second game that it was just like the first game, that did help the second game. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but I mean again, it, it, without any, the random chance element, it makes it a little lamer you know yeah once i figured out hey i should send guys to go mine the asteroids i didn't i didn't think about that in the first game you know I, I learned something and then i could use that going forward but once you ultimately get to the end of this by learning all this stuff you know it and so when you go back to play it it's not going to be as much fun what would have been we had games for the pc there was, i remember this game called P, uh, vga planets and there were other games even stuff like master orion that came after this that sort of went down this road. This game I think would have been more fun with a multiplayer element. I know that's, I know what year it is, I know a computer it's all, but I could see where you could put a multiplayer element in this and make it a lot of fun or even a turn-based one, you know, sort of like mm-hmm. civilization. I mm-hmm. would like to have like diplomacy stuff. Maybe you could make hook up. Do we have to always fight the Martians? Do we have to always fight? Can we maybe we could find some different a, a little more stuff. Believe it or not, I'm asking for more stuff in this game. As opposed to less stuff. Well, yeah, it's 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 definitely it's it's, almost it's, sparse. I guess. Is yeah what I'm it's trying.
0: it's a it's a thin line to to trod when you're uh, when you're asking for more features, but at the same time, more features can be more confusing and more intimidating. So, yeah, uh, I feel like this guy, you know, he had an idea, he executed his idea well. Was <laughs> it a perfect idea? No, and he probably improved. And by improved, I mean made more featureful and complex with this second game.
2: Yeah, and I've heard it's good. Now, I will say this, and again, I'm not burying this game, because like I said, this game, for a for somewhat of my skill level, was right in my wheelhouse. Because mm-hmm. you guys all know me. you know, I didn't need the six-page manual except for a couple times I figured it out. I mean, eventually, I, once you play it and sit down with it for a couple of hours, you can get the gist of it. But for a lot of you listeners that are very advanced in this area, this may be a little bit too... Uh, easy or too, or not as fulfilling as a lot of game, other games of this genre would be. Maybe below your abilities, I guess what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, this is
0: one of these games that you can look back at and you can say, this is really, you know, where uh, so many games sprang forth from. Because 89, I mean, it is very early on to have a game yeah. in this genre. And you can see how other games built upon it. I will say for me, I'm a big art guy, and the art in this game goes a long way to making me happy. Um, uh, I think that if this game, I mean, you're dead on that this game could absolutely survive with no art whatsoever. And you could probably play it like a BBS door game or
2: something like that. Um, yeah, it reminds me, this is like, it's like, uh, if you took the graphics out of this, you would have a very good public domain game. That's what you would have. With yeah, the graphics yeah. and the extra work, and by the way, the sound effects I didn't like either because it no, got old. Like they especially were so the annoying. One, that was the worst one. Yeah, this is no. another
0: classic example of your Amiga game that has a, a nice tune at the beginning, and then as soon as you start playing, well, I hope you enjoyed it because you'll never hear it again.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, and they, every menu you go on, there has its own like special effect. For example, the one I did like was in the power area when you would upgrade; it would you could hear that noise of the power mm-hmm. going. To, getting more power right that was, that cool. was cool but then you got that whale sound that the defense area made <laughs> no good you don't need yeah. a you don't need an annoying sound in every menu i
0: i turned the sound off uh, oh, pretty man. pretty quickly pretty it was quickly.
2: brutal in a couple places yeah uh, and and there are some elements of This like the, the the map or the space map where you can map in and out or even when you advance the days and you see the the universe spinning around the plants i mean there's some advanced behind-the-scenes work here that I, they probably could have taken a little more advantage of than they did. You know, there,
0: there are a couple things that I think were wasted opportunities. One is that you, you do not need to ever zoom out. Uh, whenever no. you advance <laughs> the calendar, it automatically zooms you out. But, like, there's a screen where you can see the satellites um, uh, orbiting a planet. Uh, You know your ships or whatever, but there's no reason to ever look at that screen. It's totally useless.
2: I didn't know it was there until I was getting, I was watching a playthrough, getting some tips, and I saw the guy go there because I never went to it. You don't need to go there, Mm -hmm. like you said. Right? It's just kind of neat. It's like you get to see the planet from like the, the the four, you know, the ten four, the you know, the big viewing area of the Mm -hmm. ship that you sent there. Right. You know, but yeah, I mean, a perfectly playable game. It plays fine. Uh, It's it runs fine if you need something just to, a light game maybe if you've got a son or a daughter that's coming up you want to get them their feet wet this would probably wouldn't be the worst way to go yeah I mean, it's I, I'd say this is a lot easier to say like civilization or something
0: this game reminds me so much of if mule was not a s- multiplayer game if it was a single player game it's sort of like the trading economics equivalent of like a 4X game of like a very very early example but what saves mule is that it is a multiplayer game and if this game had that turn-based multiplayer
2: component it would have been you know really really good i think this is a lot easier than mule <laughs> personally <laughs> that's just me uh boaster um you know, I'll, just for fun, I uh, had a look. You know, we mentioned that this came out on uh, the ST and DOS. Uh, I went ahead and pulled up the do- the ST version, I should say, just for comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, guess what? They're eerily similar, as you can tell if you're watching at home. You, it, I would I would love to see you pick out one from the other. Neither mm-hmm. one of these things are what I would call, like, graphical juggernauts. I mean, they, right. they do the job they're supposed to do, but there's nothing uh, super incredible about what's going on. And uh, you can see that in comparison, they're very, very similar uh, mm-hmm. in every way. So there's not a whole lot to talk about there, Boat. Um, i looked this up uh, to see how it, how it fared in the reviews of the day, Boatster. It's funny, a lot of people uh, love this game. The Lemon gave this thing an 8.31, a very high higher score than I would have anticipated. Uh, back in the day, Amiga Computing gave this a 72%. Man, AUI, Amiga... <laughs> They didn't get it, Boat. They gave this a 40%. They dropped the Ouch. hammer on this thing. Four out of ten. See, uh, Commodore user Amiga gave this an 84%. Uh, Dator Magazine gave this a eight out of ten. And the average came out to 78% uh, on this one, Bo. So, Did you get any Discord action, my friend?
0: We did. We did. We'll start things off with David Hearn Ryder. He says... Millennium 2.2 was a nice-looking, single-load, space-age resource management and strategy game that was enjoyable to play through. You could beat the game in half a day and have fun doing it. The icons were intuitive, though there were some tedious features like advancing time. I preferred it to Dutrius, I wish I knew how to say that, the sequel, though that end screen was a letdown. I give it 8 out of 10 mineable asteroids. (laughs) Dave Velociraptor says he's only played the ST version, but it's a fantastic 4X strategy game. I like the adventure touches in it. Following on the, in the legacy and feeling of Elite as well as Reach for the Stars, this is very much my kind of game. Love the music, too. Years later came Master of Orion, which made the genre famous, and now there's things like Stellaris, Sins of a Solar Empire, and many others. This was my first real exposure to the genre. It's still playable now because it has a reasonable UI and isn't too complicated. 9 out of 10. Lord Soup writes it's a game about managing mining and haulage but somehow makes some poor schmucks probably underpaid job entertaining it's a blast my only criticism is that the fighter defense mini game gets so slow otherwise a game that definitely needs a remaster a cool feature would also be randomizing the solar system so if like me space stuff is your fodder and you don't have an idea where to go one of my favorite games of its era nine out of ten wow Lobsterminator Terminator writes, This is the type of game I prefer to play on the Amiga these days. My favorite games are ones I can have running on my Amiga and play throughout the day while I do other things. Yes. I enjoyed this back in the day, and I still enjoy it. As mentioned in previous review, the replay value <laughs> is lower due to not enough randomization, but it's still good fun if you play it rarely enough that you don't remember everything. Like many Amiga games, a bit of extra work would have made this a timeless classic, 8 out of 10. And finally, Benny Cake says, This is a game I have a real fondness for. It teaches you two things. Patience and the vast size of our solar system. It's rare to find a strategy game that's relatively straightforward to pick up and play without wading through a vast manual. I did find it fairly easy to get to the end, but that's no bad thing. The fighter minigame feels a little half-baked and impossible to lose, and the game would benefit from randomizing resources across the habitable planets and moons, as I believe the DOS version did. That's interesting. Overall, this is one I come back to every couple years and would recommend to
2: anyone 9 out of 10. Those scores were <clears throat> higher than I would have anticipated.
0: Not me, man. This is a solid nine out of ten game for me. this This might be the best game we played all year on a.
2: You're uh, really?
0: Yeah, I love this game.
2: I don't. I don't see that. I. I mean, I think this is a. I mean, a, maybe a, a little above average. That's the best because I can go. Uh, I looked this up on eBay. Now, clearly, the people buying this game ha- are closer to what you guys think than I am. I could not find any of these having sold recently. However, there were some for sale. All right. And these are buy it now prices. Okay. All in the UK. All right. So someone's selling a complete in box version of this. These are the big boxes. 138. That's US dollars. All right. Then another guy was like, oh, yeah, I'll sell mine for 124. I saw 152. And some real lucky gentleman's trying to get 197. These are all complete in boxes. So they're out there. And these were all biting out prices. So if you're real hard up for this one, I mean real hard up, get out the checkbook. Cause those yeah. are some those are lofty prices, but so I'm this me. I mean, me this is
0: this is one of the classic games. In my opinion, this is one of the classic games for the system. I cannot believe that this doesn't that people aren't talking about this and people are still talking about freaking Shadow of the Beast as one of the greatest games of the Well,
2: Amiga. I mean first of all, I'm surprised for a game that's so ballyhooed, apparently, we I'd never heard of it. Not at one time. And I, I'm guessing you hadn't either. No, never. Uh, and never. so, so I don't know. Maybe it's just there's a certain group of people that really, really dig it. It's not Probably crap. So. Don't get me wrong. But some people like it more than others. There you go, True. Boat.
0: True. All right, Aaron. Let's leave Millennium 2.2 2 and go on to what's been going on over on our uh, YouTube channel.
2: All right. Let's have a look, Boatster. So, this was a, a, not a super busy week, but we'll touch on a few of these things. Uh, let's start off with myself and the Brent. You know, the Brent—he's always here. And this week, uh, we did pretty good on this one, Bo. This was modern sixteen-bit games. Mm-hmm. These are games that would have that came out recently and for older systems. Uh, boy, we—I don't want to say we got into a into a slight uh, uh, misunderstanding this week, but we did have a bit of a tiff on the show. As we screamed loudly back and forth uh, and had a huge fight. Uh, The game I selected Demons of Asterberg, which is a brand new, I mean, brand new, like came out in August game for the Sega Mega Drive boat or or, uh, Genesis if you're in the U.S. This is a, I think they call these a Metroidvania style uh, game where you run around and my favorite part of this game is the fact that the whole basis of it is a, a, an agreement between demons and humans that went awry. <laughs>
0: and I can't Who imagine. could have imagined the demons would have reneged on the deal.
2: When I read the backstory for this, I did I cackled out loud at the stupidity of the humans. Uh, anyway, this is a, the largest justice game ever made, allegedly, uh, both. And so I bought this, uh, played it, and Brent played it. We both really liked it. Uh, then the Brent uh not to be outdone went and got himself a game uh, called lethal wedding now lethal wedding is free uh from mad cats studios and mm-hmm. i think the price is right because i didn't think this <laughs> game was any good at all but brent put it over like it was the citizen Kane of genesis game it was like talk about how great it was and then when i when i disputed the greatness of the game it was a it was a bally a ballyhoo a tussle it, w- it went down a uh, boat so if you like to hear me and Brent yell, and apparently a lot of people do, then this is the, this is the show for you. Uh, we got into quite a struggle. But now I will say, uh, 16-bit modern games. Remember how we used to badmouth the Amiga? It's like, where's all the games? Well, now there's zillions of them, and we're yeah. the Amiga is looking real good uh, mm-hmm. amongst these other games because I actually had trouble finding one, and I wanted to pick one that wasn't for the Amiga. So there you go. Two modern Genesis titles or Mega Drive titles for your uh, perusal. Uh, Here we go, Boaster. You were uh, involved in this. This is Photon for the Coco 3. Talk about it, Boat. So
0: speaking of one of my favorite games ever for a system, this one might take the cake in terms of the Coco 3. Um, This game is a kind of puzzly push-and-pull-the-block-avoid-the-blob game where you're trying to reach an exit. It's like if Sokoban got some attitude. (laughs) And uh, and I really really enjoyed this game. It's got the music. It's got it's got audio tracks that 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 are unheard of on the Coco. Yeah, I mean it's like real songs in this game.
2: This thing's um, batting outside of its uh, usual average for. Like, I mean this yeah. thing was I, I never has a game been so perplexing to me until i figured out what was going on and then so enjoyable as this game yeah (laughs) when you look at it you're like what in god's name am i looking at and then eventually yeah this is this
0: may be the 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 latest game that we ever review on the coco in in terms of commercial releases this came out in 91 which is pretty late in the lifespan so um this is this is definitely one photon uh, for the Coco Three exclusively. Check out our review, and if you like it, you know, fire up VCC or if you've got if you're lucky enough and rich enough these days to have a Coco Three, uh, fire it up on there. You will not be disappointed.
2: Did I tell you I came across a Coco Two Three? Did I mention that on the show last week during my? You travel? have not mentioned it. Mentioned. You know, it. I had last Friday off before the show. Mm-hmm. Me and the boy went out to Starship Games and Cross Lanes. And they had a Coco 2 there for sale, but it was a a Coco 2 with a Coco 3 keyboard. Wacky. And all the books and cartridges with it were Coco 3. And so I was like, what is this? And I still don't know, because believe it or not, (laughs) With all the crap in that store, he didn't have any RF mods. He didn't have an RF switch to try it out. So there you go. So
0: it definitely wasn't like the guts of a Coco 3 and a Coco no, 2 to somehow. Her,
2: uh, L. Curtis Boyle told me that that was no way that was going to happen. Okay. We don't know. It's some sort of anomaly, Boat. Who knows, yeah. buddy? Who knows? But it was something wacky. Uh, here we go. Speaking of something wacky, something wacky this way come. It's that crazy old Flack, Jack Flack. And this time around, he did it up the way I like to do it, which is sitting around for an hour, playing a bunch of Donkey Kong game. <laughs> I don't have a problem with that, buddy. He jumped right out of the Counter sixty-four and loaded up some DK mm-hmm. uh, and played a ton of DK before he moved on to what, what comes natural or playing. Now DK.
0: Aaron, I know that you're you're, I mean, one of the one of the greatest ever when it comes to Donkey Kong. How do you That's rate true. Flack's uh, ability at Donkey Kong?
2: Flack plays this like a point pusher does. Mm. Like, I don't, I never, you know me, I never play like that. I literally just play to go through levels. Mm-hmm. And so I never score. I mean, I sometimes score quite well, but I'm not, a, I never point push because I get bored doing mm-hmm. that. I don't like that. But Flack went to work. now, And then Flack played some junior, but when he, when the main event came around, this is one of your old favorites, Boaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, the old Mario Brothers. Flack went to work, brother, posting a Mammoth score. On here, let's see if we can get to the score he ended up with. It was a mighty, mighty score here.
0: It's like one hundred and sixty-seven thousand, uh, something like one hundred fifty-three thousand. Yeah. That's up.
2: Now, me and you, we'll we can tangle up in the one hundred fifty K zone now and again. But it was still cool now to do again. that while streaming. I was very impressed, both. Yeah. Uh, plus, listen, when you tune into a Flack gig, there's not just some geek playing games. This is a this is a wizard of Conversation. He gets in there, and you get the full entertainment package. Man, he's like Liza Minnelli or Sammy Davis Jr. He's singing, mm-hmm. he's dancing, he's playing, he's talking about food. It's a big, huge event. I Frankfurt sandwiches. That's right, buddy. Well, I don't. I, I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> but yeah, it was good. It was good, entertaining stuff. And since while we're at it, Boat, because <clears throat> we've only got two weeks left uh, before the deal goes down. Last week, speaking of Jack Flack, he joined me last week on Conversations from the Dark Side. but You mm-hmm. were on assignment, and mm-hmm. Flack stepped up. And I have to say, I really, really enjoyed this one, Boatster. Uh, it was Dreams and Nightmares. We had a good slate of callers, all kinds of crazy dreams and nightmares. Uh, we learned a lot. We had some laughs, had a lot of fun. And this week's offering will be uh, uh, tonight at 8.30, Boat. Uh, for those that choose to join us, I believe the topic, yes, Messages from Beyond the Grave, Boat. Oh. This is going to be a, a spine-tingler-dingler. Uh, this will be the second-to-last uh, tell us the Dark Side of October, and then next week we'll have our big Halloween episode where we have ghost stories. Be, where we'll be doing ghost stories, personal ghost stories, ghost encounters, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But this week, Communication from Beyond the Grave, Boat. It should be going to be great. Time. I can't wait. So if you are around at eight thirty tonight, as we film this, which is uh, October twenty that it'll be eight thirty Eastern Standard Time. Pop in, won't you, and join us uh, for conversations with the dark side boat. That's all we've got this week. Did you guys do anything on this week at Retro Boatster?
0: We did. We did do a little bit this uh, this past week. Uh this past week Aaron we released a show that actually has done really well uh compared to uh, lots of our shows um <laughs> when, I think it's, it's all, all uh, <laughs> it's all down to the uh the Mega 65. You know the Mega sixty. do you know much about the Mega 65 Aaron?
2: I I know just enough to, to be dangerous, Bode. Uh, well that that's, that is that's the
0: final story of the show. We uh we talked about how the Mega Sixty Five is this it's this computer, Aaron, six hundred and sixty-six pounds. Yeah, or Euros, that is, something. That
2: is huge. Yeah. That's it's a, a it's line. a very
0: expensive FPGA uh Commodore sixty-four with a built-in floppy drive. Uh, this thing is definitely uh, an enthusiast project uh, there, and don't get me wrong. They they I think they made 400 of these and they sold out all 400. Yeah. Now, when you've got a user base the size of the Commodore 64s, uh, then you know you could probably you can probably find 400 people that are willing to pay almost anything for something that will allow them to explore an alternative timeline where Commodore released the ultimate system. Um, and I'm not saying that this thing is is crap. I'm just saying it is a big chunk of change. Change, man, a big chunk of change.
2: You, you know, here, here I've got two things. to say. Number one, people that bought this probably grew up with a C sixty four, right? Mm-hmm. Now, in my mind, studies have shown because I've no real studies to back this up that if you were a kid that grew up with a computer, you're already ahead of the curve, and you're probably making that sweet, sweet money because True. you were a brain child, right? Because no idiots allowed in the home computer market. You had to have mm-hmm. a lot of jack, all right? Yeah, so. You got Commodore users, they got a bunch of wad, and they're like, holy crap, mystery computer from beyond the moon? I'm in. And they buy it. <laughs> now, this is a lot like the uh, the ZX-Next, except I believe this actually started, uh, they were working on this before the ZX-Next even was born. This mm-hmm. thing's been around forever. And so they've got it done, good on them, uh, and they're selling this thing for the big money. Now, clearly, you know the old saying, but if you could sell out of what you got, you charge too little. You know, they could have mm-hmm. charged maybe $800. Uh, right. Buck. Uh, and I'm sure these will go big money on eBay. So be I don't know what this thing does. When I heard it was FPGA, that I was happy. Because much li- I'm hoping it's going to be like the ZX next. And for people like myself who just happen to have the Mr. sitting around, maybe they'll have a, a Mega 65 core. And I'll just get mm-hmm. the, re- the benefits of all this stuff without actually paying $600. Right. The
0: price right. on this,
2: by the way, $666. What is that all about?
0: (laughs) Well, that's all that's that's a nod to the Apple One. The Apple One was released at six hundred sixty-six dollars and sixty-six cents.
2: That confirms a lot to me because I (laughs) I think we all know that there was a deal with the devil was made uh, for Apple to get this much jack. But yeah, if if this is your bag, hey, you know. Spend it, man. I've yeah. spent a lot of money on dumber crap in my life. So, yeah. And maybe this is going to be awesome. I don't know. But I've not seen anything for it. I've not seen any software. I don't know what kind of community they got. I don't know nothing.
0: Mm-hmm. We also talk about a finger-length-sized Atari 2600, Aaron. This has got to be the smallest console that I've ever seen. It's the mini RF modulator, the first story of the, the uh, show. This thing is so tiny, Aaron, that uh, it it comes with its own TV set. And uh, it is a um, it is a thing to behold. This is definitely not something that you're going to want to play for very long without inducing eye strain. Doesn't look like we got any video of that. Oh, there it is on there. Uh, have you seen any? This is by a company called Super Impulse.
2: I watched. And, uh, I watched this on your show. Okay, so I am mm-hmm. up to speed when it comes to the, the, this week's retro, and I can tell you, I think that first of all, when you said this, when the the title threw me because it was like. RF, uh, uh, mini RF module. I thought to myself, man, someone has made an RF modulator for these old machines to make it really easy to hook them up to HDMI or stuff. That'll be cool. That's not what it is. No. Someone, and by the way, the the kid playing uh, Dance Dance Revolution with his hand—that's the geekiest kid I've ever seen. Right there, take a look. I don't know whose hand that is, but that's a geek, brother. I think this is the stupidest. No, it's amongst the stupidest things I've ever seen. Now I know. Uh, here we go with this whole thing. You're gonna put the stuff on your shelf or whatever, but now the shelf crap's getting so small you can't even see it. You know what are we doing? And the fact that this has a usable joystick, it doesn't make a lick of sense. It's what the hell was this? I don't even want this. And it wasn't it super pricey or something?
0: No, the 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 the, the, the one good thing I don't know there might be multiple good things about this. It's only thirty five bucks, so it's not gonna break the bank, especially you can coming off for the real for that. But yeah that's true that's God true
2: sakes.
0: but anyway we talk about this is you know th- this last week we really let it all hang out that, we, yes. we went long we went real long on uh on on this week in retro and uh people hey, responded Dad. well so if you want to listen to me and neil kick back talk about being freaks and weirdos back in middle school you can hear about the star trek convention i attended uh all of the things that 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 make you happy um check out this week in retro we got a new episode coming out tomorrow morning
2: yeah it was great it was a great one this week but i say i was mildly <laughs> amused by your wacky stories but the dance for revolution kid that one really I, about, <laughs> I can't i can't fight you on that that is, i was sitting a at a rest hand. stop i was taking i was at a rest stop i was on a job and i looked at them I'm like what i laughed out uproariously i bet the people around me thought i was on crack i was laughing i was like what is this bizarre boat Very good, though. I enjoyed it, man.
0: All right, and just a quick update on our community score challenges. Uh, We are still running, of course, the Rough and Tumble uh, high score competition on the Amigos Discord. And uh, this is the final day to get your score in for Mikey for the ZX Spectrum because we are taping. Mikey, uh, on our Sinclair this Sunday in two oh, two man. short days. Uh, speaking of that, uh, if you've got a, a Sunday afternoon where you're living free and easy and you want some uh, retro computing uh, shows to listen to, we are recording our uh, Sinclair, our show about the ZX Spectrum, uh, 1200XL, all about the Atari 8-bit, and the Coco Show, of course, all about the Tandy Color Computer. We're doing those back to back to back, starting at 3 p.m. Uh, this Sunday, and who knows, if we're feeling froggy, we might tack on and ask the Amigos after the, at the end of all that. So Crazy. you can hang out with me and Aaron all afternoon.
2: You know, and just in case, Boat, that, uh, there's two more little uh, things I want to announce real quick. Uh, just in case you haven't gotten enough <laughs> of us. Uh, it, by, by, by popular demand, uh, we have tentatively scheduled the next uh, International Computer Club. I'm telling everyone this now. So you can you can file your grievances or applaud or mark your calendars. But uh, we're gonna do another one of these things, both, and we're and by popular, popular demand, we're gonna start much earlier. We're going to tentatively plan this thing for four PM Eastern Standard Time on January 29th, twenty twenty two. Okay. Twenty twenty two. This is not a Super Bowl weekend. There's no football on this day if you're an American. There's nothing going on boat. There won't be any baseball. It'll just that's there's no res- football
0: that weekend. Is that the uh, week before the Super Bowl? I already Bowl?
2: checked. There's nothing. There's no. That's there's crazy. No, they're having the playoff games the day before. It's all part of oh, my, the yeah. day after. It'll be Saturday. Yeah. So if you are interested, uh, boat will be putting up a sign up sheet probably in the next month or so, and then you can probably in the next couple of days. Well, and we'll mm-hmm. we'll let you start signing up. Uh, Now, starting at 4 o'clock does not necessarily mean we want to run six hours instead of four, for example. (laughs) But uh, sign up now. Get in there. Uh, The last International Computer Club was Top Shelf. I've liked them all, frankly, Mm both. They've all been good. And uh, there's always an entertaining uh, gimmick. One more quick item before we move along. Uh, You guys may know that I, and sometimes Boat, are members of uh, an outfit called the Team Speak Irregulars. The oh, Team yeah. Speaker Regulars on uh a, a week from tomorrow, that'll be October 30th, will be having their Team Speaker Regulars Halloween Spooktacular boat. It's gonna be uh all horror games all evening long, and everyone will be wearing costumes that night. Oh they're, they're very excited I was not about it. Yeah, this is just i am just Even I'm the now released it. This is everybody. Wow. It's gonna be a happening. Uh if you aren't familiar with it, the team speaker regulars have their own Twitch channel. It's called The Team Speak Irregulars. It's on Twitch. If you type in The Team Speak Irregulars, all one word, you'll come to it. Subscribe, follow, whatever you do. And we they broadcast every Saturday from 7.30 to God knows when, usually past midnight, with a whole variety of retro and modern games, mostly modern. Uh, but this will be their Halloween Spooktacular that'll be next Saturday. So tune in, won't you? There you go, folks.
0: Excellent. Well, Aaron, it's time to talk about last week's Patreon song challenge. Horrible. Uh, One for the record books. Um, Of course, it was uh, Never Going to Give You Up by Rick Astley.
2: You lied. What happened to the nine, the choruses, and all that stuff? Nothing.
0: And uh, I want to congratulate Rob O'Hara for being first with the wrong answer and first with the right answer. (laughs)
2: What was the wrong answer, <laughs> if I may
0: ask? Bohemian Rhapsody. What? Yeah. How did
2: you get that?
0: Well, I set it up. What else has nine choruses and uh, the original members of Queen? I I promised Freddie Mercury was going to do a guest spot. Listen, no one was buying that. Good <laughs> lord. So, congratulations to Flack, Super Tech Boy, Heavy Systems Inc., Jugglebox, Alien Breeder, Gary Heather, and Andy Craig. I'm sure many, many more guessed that one uh and uh yeah that was a that was and and again hats off to Lobsterminator for programming in that mod you know in order to get that to sync up correctly with the track that I was singing along with he had to actually go in and like make micro adjustments to the mod's timing and do all kinds of wacky stuff He's a a wizard. He's a wizard with the tracker, Aaron.
2: Never has someone struggled so mightily to provide something to someone that was going to so brutally destroy it. (laughs) That's
0: true. True words have never been spoken. So, Aaron, that brings us to this week's Patreon song challenge. If you know this week's song, please shoot me an email at john at amigospodcast.com. I will announce you as a winner on next week's show. If you are live in the chat, please do not reveal the answer in the chat. Instead, just email me. Aaron, are you ready?
2: I haven't even heard this one boat. This came in at the 11th hour. So I don't have any idea what this is going to be. Are you ready? Let's do Here it. Here we go.
1: Christian Russell, David Z, George Rosansky, The Amiga Show, Daniel Crabtree, Super Famicom, Crazy Loomis, William Vinter, Scar Heavy Systems, Bentley Bragmore, Mark Villan, Olaf Holkinski, Jonah aka Simulator, Dave Velociraptor, Calvert Boy, Lake Vincent, Daniel Young, Luke Hudson, Jonko, Bomb the Base, proto El Sol, Incisor Tech Mage, Young and Mr. Cola, Bernard Lucas, Jerry Timmy Sword, Swordwell, and Simon Ledge, camping, crispy, and let Captain Crispy, Killer and and Captain Gary Heather, free lunch to take Boss. David, Pickford, Cameron, Armstrong, Andy Jones. Logs, Terminator, 10 Minute, Amiga, Retro, Cat. Harrison Powell, Rob O'Hara, Matthew Vermore, and the Indraic songs of art, they've brought her the munch of his army. We play on Alcuba, John Marshall, Matthew Claire, Ricky Duro, De Shakin' Dead Boy, take a seat, he's in slow north step once a roar, Mortensen, I think Helen. The Hasselbary Avenue, Chris Drew, Gary, Hector Paul Styles, the Josh Jones, and She Eric Nelson, Daniel Eric, Darren, Jason and All
0: right. So, <laughs> I want to give a special shout out to Bruno Langer, uh, Marie, the foreign exchange student that was staying with us for a while. That is her father who contributed uh, all the guitar parts to that number. And of no course, kidding. yeah, all the way from France. And the big F, as you say. And uh,
2: you say it one time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course, we've got reflection on bass and the one, the only, Graham Vebke, brought to you
2: by Red Symbols. Very good. Hey, you know, I almost forgot. We forgot something in the news I want to touch on real quick. You know, this past weekend, boat Amy West uh, went down. Yeah. And I did catch a little bit of the of the live presentation there, including uh, uh, I saw a couple Amigos T-shirts floating around. Really? Like, including the MC was wearing one and uh i that's i'm always down that's awesome uh, this looked yeah. like quite a show they had, it looks like they had a pretty good turnout a uh, boat uh there was a lot of uh, technical uh uh there was a lot of technically based speeches and whatnot that you know there we're doing games for a reason we too dumb <laughs> to i don't know anything about some of that stuff but uh congratulations on from by all accounts was a uh a few uh, uh, a few shout-outs. Thank you, Tim Mark. Tim Mark says there were a few shout-outs for us, but congratulations on what looked to be a total success, Boat, and uh, hopefully next year, once the unpleasantness has passed, Amy West will continue to grow and be another major success. Well done, boys absolutely congratulations guys uh and
0: of course congratulations to all of our twitch subscribers thank you so much for uh supporting our channel through twitch we hope you enjoy watching us live including lumin808 picard 2010 blow jellyfish back to 8-bit with hermski gary heather mitsuyama great algae bite links amy steph frodo NL, eo4077 barkbit Real Retro Dude, Wing Chun Wolf, Brock 101, Jedi Mon, Da, Crabs MTG, Flip Blop, Pixels at Dawn Gaming, Buck Owens, Super Family King, Jigglebox, Retro Jerry, Thurso Board, Twilight Zoner, Super Tech Boy, John Marshall 3, Paco Take, Still Adolescent, Mon's a Mess, Macintosh Librarian, Negsol, Metaberg, Air Jury, Scumboy, Benz666, Texas Foosballer, Captain Chaos DK, Mr. Toast6502, Jay Borchers, Edvin Helland, and Orom. Thank you guys so much for supporting us through Twitch. Thank you. All right, Aaron. Next week on Amigos, it's our ever popular. People are just banging down the doors for another one of these. It's the Spooktacular, the sixth oh, annual Amigos oh, Spooktacular.
2: Oh no, these are always death boat. Oh god, so
0: we've got two two big titles, Aaron, to talk about next week. We got horror zombies from the crypt, which was suggested by Amigos Game Selection Committee member Brutal Barracuda, and PD Game Bloodfest, which was suggested by
2: the Dunk Duncan Styles. Well. Oh, man. Okay. Well, we'll play him. As we've never had a successful spooktacular, not one. And Maybe six the ones is where our magic wearing, number. When you were wearing that green outfit, those were particularly <laughs> unsuccessful. I've never been so happy to be over here. If you wear it next year, I'm going to be far away from that. You weren't invisible to me, Boat. That's <laughs> true.
0: I wasn't. I think it was skin tight. All
2: right, guys. We'll see you next
0: week. Until then, adios. Adios.